Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis spoke on the phone. Oh my God! Okay, whatever, leverage. But first, I read. Sometimes when things fall in your lap, it's best to take advantage of the situation rather than try to explain it, or even worse, try to somehow get more out of the miracle you clearly didn't deserve. For the Lakers, a Kyrie Irving-Russell Westbrook swap represented a get-out-of-jail, albeit not free, card, though it's starting to sound like balking at the asking price might have cost them that out. To be absolutely clear, we don't know for sure that Brooklyn would have accepted the Lakers' offer of both first-rounders to take back Westbrook and send Irving to L.A., Yes, some reports indicate that might have been the case, but there's just as much reporting on Brooklyn remaining focused on finding a resolution to to their Kevin Durant problems first before making any kind of a decision on Irving. One thing we do know, though, if the Lakers never made their best offer, then Brooklyn was never going to entertain moving Irving for even less than his currently depressed market price. All that said, if, again, emphasis here on if, Rob Palenka had an opportunity to move Westbrook, someone who was so disinclined to return to the Lakers that he allegedly fired his own agent of 14 years for merely advising him to, and bring in Irving because the asking price of two first-round picks half a decade from now is too steep, then there simply isn't any reason he should continue in his current position. Moving Westbrook and his albatross of a contract was always going to cost a pick. Landing a player as talented as Irving will always cost at least one first-rounder. If Brooklyn ever asked for those two picks for Irving, even if it meant the Lakers had to take on Joe Harris's contract, cool. Accept the offer while the world was crumbling around Sean Marks before things can have a chance to settle down. And guess what? Things have calmed down considerably. DeAndre Ayton re-signing complicates a Durant trade to Phoenix. Miami can't send Bam Adebayo to Brooklyn because of the designated player exception rule, and Toronto won't include Scotty Barnes. So as of now, Brooklyn is basically saying they'll wait it out, and they're using that as an excuse to let the Lakers twist in the wind as LeBron James, Olive Clutch, and Irving apply their own pressure. But if the Lakers had just made their best offer, and, by extension, the best offer Brooklyn will get on Irving, then perhaps all this could have been avoided and the focus could be on the upcoming season. Yes, Palenka could continue to hold out. Maybe a Durant trade that checks enough boxes for Brooklyn to be more comfortable parting with Kyrie for less than they'd like finally appears, and then you get to use that get-out-of-jail card after all. Keep in mind that training camps don't open for more than a month, and James can't sign his extension until early August, so there's still room to wait. But if Brooklyn remains emboldened by the pervasive thinking around the league that Durant will not hold out or cause problems like his contemporaries, then they run the risk of sitting there in their current jail cells with nothing but mistakes that put them there and the chance to miraculously escape that might have passed up to consider. According to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook got on the phone together to talk about how to reunite and get on the same page heading into next season. This on the heels of reports that Kyrie Irving is uh, growing more and more, I guess, not okay with, but understanding of the fact that he is going to remain in Brooklyn this upcoming season. We keep hearing more about how Brooklyn is not interested in any of the offers that ke- that have been made for Kevin Durant. Uh, we are we have known now for a little while 
that the Lakers have been reticent to offer both of their first round picks just to move Russell Westbrook. That's not to say that their work is done. Rob Polinka and Jeannie Buss are both on the record saying that their work is not done at this point. Uh, but but for right now, it looks like the Lakers are at least trying to show to everybody else that the three most important figures in this upcoming season are all on the same page. Question is, is anybody buying it? In short, no. <laughs> LeBron had the opportunity to, to talk to Russell Westbrook in person. Uh, they were in the same arena. They were maybe 100 or so feet away from each other. And a, a, a quick walk. They were both sitting courtside. They could have very easily just kind of met up at some point between quarters, just made it look like, you know, do that whole thing where they meet up and they cover their mouths with their hands and the camera gets a picture of them talking to each other. They passed on that opportunity. Uh, the fact that Darvin Ham said that it's been hard to nail down all three of them because their schedules are so difficult to, to manage in the summer. Um, when, again, he was saying that on a night where LeBron and Russ were sitting there in the same arena at the same time, uh, no, I, I don't buy this at all. Now, does that matter? Well, no, it doesn't matter if I buy it or not. I'm not, I'm not important in, in this equation at all. But will the Brooklyn Nets buy it? We've seen attempt after attempt after attempt from Brooklyn's side of things in trying to regain the leverage here. We've seen attempt after attempt after attempt from LeBron's camp, from Kyrie Irving's camp, in trying to pressure the Lakers into making a move. And now, this appears to be the Lakers, and this is the plus side to all of this, this appears to be the Lakers at least trying to look like they're on the same page. Because to this point, that hasn't been the case. Remember, only a week or so ago, we got reports that LeBron didn't care about the 2029 pick, didn't care about the 2027 pick. And by the way, not exactly a shocker there. He'll be well into retirement by the time that that, that those picks roll around. Um, but when you leak that stuff out there and you allow a reporter to run with those, those statements on your behalf in, in even the indirect way, you're essentially saying to everybody out there, I don't give a shit about those, the organization. I'm interested in my career, and if this is going to be the partnership that it was sold to everybody from the get-go, LeBron does have to care a little bit more about the organization, um, and and in the way that he was leaking it, and that, you know, it, hey, one great way to make sure that LeBron extends is to trade for Kyrie, no matter what that price might be, uh, that, again paints a picture in which not everybody, while they might be rowing in the same direction, are they rowing at the same speed? Uh, are they rowing in circles because one side of the canoe or the boat or the kayak or whatever it is that they're sitting in um, is rowing at a different pace than everybody else? So at least with this case, you have a situation where publicly facing by leaking that, hey, we at least got together to talk uh, that at least shows that you're lining up in terms of rowing in, in the same direction and at the same speed. 
The question here becomes, for those of you Lakers fans, well, wait, does this mean that they're all trying to get on the same page heading into next season? No. I, I would still be pretty surprised if Russell Westbrook starts the year on the roster next season. That relationship is clearly shot. We had the reports that Russ fired his agent in part allegedly because his agent thought that it was it's for the best for him to stick things out with the Lakers and Russell Westbrook disagreed. Um, this same conversation, by the way, happened a year ago where LeBron and AD and Russ all got together and they hashed things out and they figured out the sacrifices each party would have to make to make this work. And I know LeBron is smarter than your average basketball conversationalist. And if he's being sold a bill of goods... I don't think he's buying it as easily. Um, given what's at, on st at stake for him, Steph just tied him for a championship, or for, for all-time championships. If Steph goes out and wins another one, and he finishes this era with one more championship than LeBron, that's going to sting quite a bit. So given how much is on the line, and given how bad the Lakers looked, even when Russ and LeBron and AD were healthy last year, I just can't envision a situation or a scenario where the Lakers are okay with trotting this back and running it back next season. At the very least, I hope not. One last thing to kind of monitor as we move into this next phase of the offseason is not just our own analysis of the roster, right? That I don't like this roster particularly much. If this was the Lakers actually trying to get on the same page and Russ and LeBron and AD hashing things out to try to give it a go next season. I think it's a disaster in the making. I wasn't in on the roster last year. I'm definitely not in on the roster after LeBron and AD age, or LeBron and Russ age another year. Um, I don't think there's the incentive for Russ to change, and it, he's too far into his career to actually meaningfully change. So, if you're actually thinking like, hey, what about the storybook ending where just like the year that Kobe said he would play on Pluto, the Lakers turned around and won a champion or uh, made it to the finals that year. I don't see that playing out, the, the, this season playing out that way. That team was actually good. They made some important, they had the assets to be able to make some important moves over the course of that season, uh, in, including trading for Pau Gasol. And, and obviously that type of a move just isn't really out there for the Lakers as it stands right now. That said, I think it's worth paying attention, a little extra attention to Dave McMenamin and Brian Windhorst's analysis of this roster because we know that they're well connected to LeBron, to Clutch, and those things that they're saying about the roster, chances are they've probably heard that analysis from somebody else. And I'm, I'm going to be careful about how I say this, but... From what I've heard, LeBron is fairly, man, how do I want to put this? LeBron doesn't necessarily trust this front office in the way that this front office would like him to. For decent reason, right? The Lakers won a championship, and now they find themselves in the situation here where they're strapped for assets no cap space, and they're coming off of a season where they didn't even make a play-in. Um, while LeBron 
goes out there and has a season and was capable at one point of leading the league in scoring. So when you, when you, when you hear analysis from McMenamin and from Windhorse and they aren't particularly high on the Lakers roster, I, I think it's worth kind of putting a pin in that to come back to later because as evidenced by the way that LeBron handled things in Vegas, as evidenced by the whole LeBron doesn't care about a pick in 2029 and, and the framing of that leak, as evidenced by LeBron's uh, camp leaking that trading for Kyrie would be a great way to help convince LeBron to sign up for one more extension here with the Lakers. Like, those things don't happen on accident. And I don't think the analysis of the situation from reporters who are as well tied to LeBron, um, that doesn't happen on accident either. So when you hear frustration from those reporters about how they feel about this, this upcoming roster, and, you know, for decent reason, it's not a good roster right now. I don't think if they, it, it, again, like if they don't change anything, if they don't make a rust trade, you're looking at a another season where they're fighting and scratching and clawing to make a play in. But when you hear McTen and when you, when you hear Wendy talk about this Lakers roster, put, you know, highlight that to come back to later because chances are that analysis that's coming from them is that kind of pseudo-informed analysis where, the people who are close to the situation feel a certain way about it, and they are kind of sort of echoing what they're hearing from those people. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Make sure you guys check out uh, yesterday's Hook. Uh, he, Aaron and I recorded an episode of The Hook, um, uh, obviously on a Monday instead of a Friday. I have a guest lined up for Friday that I think you guys will be happy to hear me talk to. Um, but until then, the conversation that Aaron and I had um, was was a good one, I thought. It was a very honest one. I thought Aaron uh, was was very insightful on on where the Lakers might be coming from on, on some of this stuff. So you're going to want to check that out. And then, again, make sure you stay tuned for Spaces here in a little bit. Stay tuned for the Taco Tuesday guys a, a little bit later this evening. The uh, I Love Basketball crew on Wednesday, Harrison and I on Thursday, and again, myself and that special guest on Friday. So until then, and until I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.